Bonjour and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Chris. You can find me lurking in the darkest corners of Twitter on a regular basis. Uh, and speaking of lurking, uh, I shall introduce my two guests for this evening's show. Uh, lurking to my left, could be my right for you guys, you guys, you guys know, but I'm going to say left. Uh, it's Mr. Jeremy Smith. Hello, Jez. Hello. I'm, I thought I'm you were not... going to say talking of dark corners. <laughs> well, you know, wherever you lurk, it's up to you. Um, I'm not going to call you Rich tonight. It's my, it's my promise. Okay, so I'm going to try and keep to that. Um, yeah, set your watches, kids. Yes, and uh, that was the dulcet tones uh, of Maxine. Sorry, Philippa. Um, how you feel? How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you very much. Good, good. Right, enough of this hijinks. Uh, let's talk some French football. Firstly, apologies for last week. Uh, you know what it's like, boys and girls. This time of year can be a bit of a pain when it comes to, uh, to work and illnesses and all sorts. That was perfectly timed, Jez, that cough. Um, Rich is not with us tonight as he's still suffering the lurgy, which ruled him out of last week's important fixture. Uh, and I was ruled out due to work. So uh, apologies for last week, but we'll try and cram in a little bit of topical stuff tonight as we go. Right, let's uh, start off the show then with Le Weekend Kifu, which is, of course, the results from uh, Liga at the weekend in terms of the games that we're not going to focus on heavily this evening. Uh, so uh, that took us to the Saturday games, first of all, Angers Montpellier. Uh, drawing 1-1 and Penza with the uh, opener from Montpellier, equalised by that man Toko Okambe. Again, what would Angers do without him? Uh, Ging- uh, Gangomp winning 4-0 against Dijon. Don't think anyone saw that scoreline coming, although after Haddadi was sent off in just 12 minutes, the rest seemed inevitable. Jimmy Brion, Saliba, Marcus Coco making a nice return to football for a change. And Cribat uh, with the fourth and clinching goal for nil. Uh, Mets drew with Wren. I'm sure Rich will be mm, not very pleased with that. Jez, I'm sure you're a little bit happier, although having gone one up, conceding an 86-minute equaliser from Mobele probably will feel a little bit um, a little bit hard to swallow. Uh, Every, Monica- everyone at Wren said that they were lucky to get a point. So. Oh, makes it yeah. even worse, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking of lucky, or was it just leaving it late? Monaco came from two down to beat Trois uh, by three goals to two. Uh, Sung Hyun-jun had, uh, had put Trois 2-0 up inside 50 minutes, but uh, De Plongeon goal and two late goals inside the last five minutes from Guido Carrillo, getting the Monegasques the point, uh, the three points, I should say, in that fixture. Uh, to lose, speaking of points, much needed, they got three at home to Con on the uh, final Saturday evening game to Silver own goal and Max Gradel from the penalty spot. And on the Sunday, Leon showing their mettle coming from a goal down to Serge Gekpe's opener for Omia to win two goals to one. Two goals from Hassim Oar, whose uh, reputation continues to grow, getting the points there, including a 90th minute winner. Uh, and Nice, they're having a lovely old time all of a sudden. Third straight win away to uh, Nantes this weekend. Bamu put Nantes in front, but Alessand player, I could see him back amongst the goals and Mario Balotelli turning the game on its head to win 2-1. So that's the uh, the games we're not going to go into in too much detail because we're going to focus on three others as we uh, jump into our main section of the pod and put the focus on a couple of games. So, uh, Jez, I'm going to come to you first of all for the Friday night game, uh, which saw the weekend's action underway. Bordeaux nil, Strasbourg 3. Um Strasbourg, we will come on to in a, in a short while because we have to give them some praise and much deserved. But what on earth is going on at Bordeaux? Um, 
a very good question. Dropped you in that, didn't I? Sorry. I'm not entirely sure what the answer is, but it's looking pretty bad. Um, I think all through the season, or even sort of at the start when things were going well for them, um, everyone, we're all kind of saying up front, it looks good. They're playing some nice stuff going forward. Malcolm's pulling all the strings. But defensively, it still looks a bit dodgy. And it feels a bit like since that, it all sort of started going wrong from the PSG Bordeaux match where they lost 6-2 and actually didn't play so badly, but PSG were fantastic that day. Um, and, you know, it's you'd expect more... It seems a bit dramatic to say that that match kind of affected them so much psychologically that it's all gone wrong from there. I don't think it's um, it's right to say that, but it has all gone wrong from there. Um, last week that they had a win again, sort of masterminded by Malcolm, and then you know, losing three 0 at home to Strasbourg should have been could have been four. There was a, there was a late header onto the crossbar, which would have made it even worse. And it, it, there really seems big problems there. The way Terrier kind of went on a sixty yard run for the last goal um, and sort of left. Um, is it Ivanovic? I can't remember his name. Mm. And and Toulon for for dead um, was was just embarrassing. But the the defend the defending wasn't great for the first goal either. And even up front, it looks like when when Malcolm's not doing anything, no one else seems able to to step up and do anything. There definitely seems to be problems there. The fans, Gulvenek is was I think until recently kind of loved by Bordeaux fans as much as he as he is in um, FFW Towers. But even the fans seem to have um, sort of gone against him now. I think by the by the time Thierry scored, there was hardly anyone left in the stadium anyway. They've had the, the sort of traditional thing that they do in France, which they never seem to do this kind of thing in England. So France, Germany, where you know, the, the, the president and the manager actually meet the, um, some of the fan groups to try to, to explain what's going on but it sounds like that didn't really help much and as we speak Porto are losing 2-0 to their biggest rivals uh, Toulouse in the Coupe de la Ligue whose final this year is taking place in Bordeaux Stadium so they apparently made a big deal about how they'd really like to get there to be able to play the final at home so it all seems to be going wrong Um if you're interested in Omens, Willy Sanyol's last match as manager of Bordeaux was also against Toulouse. <laughs> um, I love Gouvenek. I really hope he turns it around. Yeah. But slightly worried he's not going to get the chance. Yeah, that 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 is that leads nicely into the next question, really, Phil. And um, just keeping on Bordeaux for a minute, and Jocelyn Gouvenek, um obviously arrived from, from Gangom, having done a, a wonderful job there in a six-year spell, I think it was. Um, as Judge quite rightly says, you know, loved by many, um, you know, seems to be a, a perfectly nice bloke and a very good coach, but something's gone a bit wonky, and, and when it goes off a cliff like it has done so badly... It does make you wonder how they can turn this around. Is it as straightforward as shipping a few out, shipping a few in in January? But more importantly, does it get that far to be able to do that? Well, it. I mean, the the, the match we saw on Friday actually saw Strasbourg sort of hop over Bordeaux in the standings. Um, and 
you just look at the team they put out for that, there are a couple of, should we say, older statesmen. I mean, Toulon was mentioned earlier. He always looks like he's knackered from the whistle. So it, I'm not sure. It's very difficult to kind of judge how well how well he's doing. But you've got Toulon, you've got Panji, you've got Plezil. They've got good attackers. But as Jess says, the defence just isn't really... Um, working together well as a unit now you usually bet on Govanek to get a, a defense working as a unit which is kind of what he had he's had to do in the past but this seems to be a little beyond him at the moment they've got you know some some interesting games coming up they play they're away at Nice at the weekend um you know this it doesn't look terminal but it does look very worrying as Jess says if Malcolm isn't firing then who um, and but I think we do as you say have to give a lot of credit to, to Strasbourg who after their you know immense efforts against PSG you might be forgiven uh, you might have forgiven them for you know just kind of winding down a little bit nope they're they're off and running and um, just took advantage of, of the opportunities they were given and, and you know, did a very good job and have now hopped themselves up to 12th. And we'll be having round two of that uh, uh, PSG ding-dong battle uh, in tomorrow's Coupe de la Ligue match, which uh, could also be interesting given what PSG seem to have done to their squad for this. So, I think Bordeaux, it's, it, it's very difficult to understand what's going on, um, really. And it's one of those... When you look at some of the other teams that are down there, there's several teams where you say it's difficult to work out what's going on because in 14th we got Bordeaux, in 15th we got Saint Etienne, in 16th we got Toulouse. You still got Lille in the sort of relegation zone. It's there's there's some odd things going on in Ligue 1 this season, I think. Yeah, yeah, many odd things, and we'll come on to one of those other clubs in a short while. But uh, Jazz, we have to give a little bit of praise, don't we, to, to Strasbourg before we um, move on. I mean, uh, was it less than four years ago they were a third tier side? Um, just amazing, really, what they're doing. Is it? I can't think of any other adjectives to to use. I mean, I don't think anyone expect them to be where they are on the table. They're, they're currently sitting in twelfth. Um, they look like a side that, yes, they might ship a few, but they look like a side that has goals in it. Um, it looks like a side that has enough to stay up. I mean, they scored 22 goals, which if you look up the table, I think there's only, I think it's four sides that scored more, which is quite impressive. Maybe it's five, but certainly not many. One of them's Dijon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Odd things think, happening. Yeah, They do, yeah. And I think Dijon got two more than, than them. So credit where credit's due, Jez. Um, five undefeated now, I think it is. Um, and they yep. just continue to go from strength to strength. So, are we are we daring to say they could be safe, or is it a little bit earlier? Um, I think that the the sort of Constantina nature of a lot of, of everyone, be, apart from PSG and Mets at either end, um, says that it might be a bit too premature to say that. But at the moment, they're they're kind of purring, yep, undefeated mm. in five. They've only lost one since the end of September. And um, I think earlier in the season, we was, mentioned Dijon. We were saying that they're a bit like Dijon last year, who, who scraped safety and um, 
was it Twa a few years ago who didn't that they look they seem to be destined to be one of those teams that play some very nice football always fun to watch but come up short but recently yeah it's all been clicking and um mm. you know Thierry, Thierry Loreau's um very good manager who did a decent job but um I think it was um was it Ajaxio um <coughs> when they had fun in in for one year in Liga as well um he's if Gouvernet gets the sack, maybe Lohé will become my favourite favourite coach in the division. But they're playing some lovely stuff. They've got some a nice mixture of sort of um, experience and, and youth. There's um, you know Bakari Kone who's sort of been a bit of a uh, um, jokey figure, um, you know, during his sort of um, accident-prone time at, at Lyon, for example. But he's mostly looked quite solid and, and done a good good job marshalling defence. You've got Kenny Lala, who's great for Teletubbies based headlines, but also very good um attacking right back. And and you know, he's getting the best out of some some very good players like Grimm and Leonard who scored that fantastic free kick um against Bordeaux, which is the one the one goal there that you can't really have a go at them for. And even Balkan who who um <laughs> who is one of those a few, not a few players. He he had a period at St Mirren, which didn't even go very well. But he's he's now sort of tearing it up and scoring winners against PSG one week and um, fantastic finishes against against Bordeaux the next. So you know, Lore has got these these players um, playing at the top of the game. He's got Terrier who's on loan from Lille. Lille could do with him. He's, he's clearly mm-hmm. a very good talent this season. He's um, for a lot of France under 21's qualifying campaign for next year's Euros so far it's been Tegia pulling pulling the team out of the fire most matches um, so you know he's obviously got um, a good big game temperament and as well as a hell of a lot of talent so yeah maybe a bit premature to say that they are safe but I do think that they will be like I, I don't think they'll have any problems staying up no, it's probably uh, well, definitely uh, one. Sorry, Jez, team worse than them, and probably arguably <laughs> three or four uh, down there. So if, if we, dare I say it, we take his red that Mets are probably going to go. Sorry, um, yeah, so. there are. I would I would argue three, maybe four. I'm looking at that are worse, certainly on current form. But um, yeah, we we shall see where where they go. But speaking of current form, that leads us nicely onto PSG. Um, Phil, obviously we didn't record last week, so we missed the uh, the epic Strasbourg win. Um, so sorry, Strasbourg, but we're giving you some praise this week, so don't hold it against us. Um, incredible performance that was for them to, to beat the champions, who then went ahead to Germany and promptly lost again. Um, 3-1, it, it could have been more. Equally, they probably could have scored a couple more themselves. It's a bit hard to judge having already qualified. Um, they pulled Real Madrid in the Champions League draw. Um, so it wasn't a great week, all in all, but uh, they did get a win 3-1 against Lille on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, based upon what you saw of that game, goals from Di Maria Pastore and Kylian Mbappé, who ran the length of the field to get that third goal. Um, any concerns for you in terms of PSG with those two defeats, or do you think they addressed it with getting back to winning ways again? Well, I think the, I mean, the Strasbourg one was completely out of left field, really, that um, you wouldn't expect. And I don't think it was a, a kind of a weakened team that they put out. When you look at the Bayern match, when they, they went into that, I think they were level on points 
uh, no, sorry, uh, they had 15, Bayern had 12, but the goal difference was such that I think Bayern had to win by about 13-0 or 8-0 or something like that um, to actually take top spot from them. So you can kind of understand why there might not have been as much effort put in as possibly would otherwise have been put in um isn't it isn't it done by head to head though so i, I think I, only would have needed to well i i thought the um champions league was still goal difference but i'm sure it was has it changed I don't, I'm sure I remember the. Well, I'm pretty sure I remember the commentator saying at some point during the game that Bayern had to score four or five that reply to top the group. So I don't yeah, know whether yeah. that's classed as head to head or. Right. Well, <laughs> that might have been based on the head to head goal difference in the previous game, which I have no idea what happened. I can't remember what happened in three that. now. Three now. Right. PSG. So yeah. that that would make sense because otherwise it would have been eight or something. Ooh, so yeah, given PSG's propensity for throwing away that kind of thing but I, I mean it was obviously a uh, commenting to listen seems to have um, uh, greatly enjoyed getting his brace in that game uh, possibly due to his OL heritage but I mean PSG the, they're not going to go through the season unbeaten and it's the team that's beat them is Strasbourg it's not one of their closest rivals it's not putting a dent in the what nine nine-point gap they've got at the top of the table already after 17 games. They'll be fine. You know, they'll get over it. It'll be interesting to see who plays tomorrow in the uh, Coupe de la Ligue in round two against Strasbourg because I saw a tweet from Jonathan Johnson earlier citing some of the players who are in the the PSG squad who are not players who... uh, whose names are familiar to many of us. They've got... um, Neymar's back in Brazil on family business. I think we've got an inverted commas injury list of Mota, Rabio, Thiago Silva, and Kazawa. Obviously, no Hatton Benafa. It's they're they're going to motor on. Basically, they have a nine-point gap. They are champions of autumn, and they have a way at Ren at the weekend. So. You know they'll be fine. What happens against Real Madrid will be um, the interesting thing. Obviously, after their travails against uh, Barcelona recently, to be facing up against the other big team in Spain um, will be uh, will be an interesting challenge. But uh, you know they're not in any danger of messing up anytime soon. They've got a, a big cushion they can afford to throw a couple if they need to. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think that's that's the other thing I wanted to to bring up quickly, actually, Jez, and um, uh, sort of putting this result aside, which I think a lot of people probably saw PSG getting back to winning ways at home and against a side that has been so mixed as Lille have been. Um, Unai Emery's future has been up in the air again. You know, a lot of talk about whether he's under pressure, and there's talk about Antonio Conte, which, f- for my money, I I do see him as probably going to be the next coach if not at the end of the season uh, in the summer um but that aside is is this season basically about PSG winning the Champions League and and is this is this draw the worst possible thing they could have got or the best possible thing because barring Jose Mourinho's Porto have to slide that one in there you very rarely play average teams and win a Champions League you have to beat a good side at some point and what I've seen of Real Madrid this season 
I think PSG is slight favourites. So would you say it's a, a positive draw, that, that it will make them come out and play to their best abilities? Um, <clears throat> I think it could do, although I'm sure they'd still rather um, get the <laughs> weak, as weak teams as possible until the final. Um, I saw an interesting rant today by Christophe Dugarry about Neymar. And um, I all this pressure that Emery's under, um, I agree with it to an extent, and I disagree to an extent. And I think that I can weirdly, I find the the defeat to Bayern Munich, even though it was away against a very good team, um, kind of more offensive than the defeat to Strasbourg. Hmm. Um, as Phil said, defeats happen. It's extremely rare and extremely difficult to go through 38 matches or however many it is without having a bit of an off day. Um, but, and they've got such a cushion that they can, you know, afford to have one of those off days. But I think against a team like Bayern Munich with the rest of Europe watching, um, there's there's a lot more sort of responsibility on PSG to really make a statement. Um, yeah, okay, they've been, you know, they've outscored, I think, everyone. Possibly Liverpool ended up getting more goals. I'm not sure. But certainly they, they, they would have ended the group stage, I think, with the, with the best goal difference um, in the whole of Europe. And yes, the, the 3-0 at home to Bayern was very impressive, but it was against a Bayern that were in, in complete disarray at the time. It would have been a hell of a big hell of a bigger statement that's good or bad english to have gone to bayern and got a result the problem is they didn't even look like they were interested in getting a result and dugary's rant about neymar was that you know when he wants to turn it on he turns it on but he spent most of the bayern match walking looking completely disinterested um and uh an interesting thing Dugarry said was he should, you know, he wants to be the best player in the world. The fact is he's not at Ronaldo and Messi's level yet. And also one of, there should be an onus on him at PSG to show a good example to Kylian Mbappe. Um, one of the big problems that I think PSG have got and will have, um, certainly against the bigger teams, is Neymar and Mbappe's complete lack of interest in coming back to defend. Um, that's that's been a consistent problem, which isn't necessarily um, uh, highlighted against most of the teams they'll play. But come March, April time, it really will become an issue because they'll be playing in Europe better teams who are more capable of picking them off. So I do agree that uh, while they can have off days against Strasbourg, I don't think they can afford to in Europe. Um, and I think that the pressure on Emery is deserved to the extent that I don't think he's getting the best out of players and I'm not sure that they're all playing for him. But it is undeserved in the sense that I still think that um, Al-Khalifi and QSI are very, very rich but uh, very ignorant about how football works. And I think the idea that they, they probably did want him to go the whole season unbeaten and that they're annoyed with him because that's not going to happen now is ridiculous. Um, against Real Madrid, I think that's the kind of match where obviously Neymar is almost certainly going to turn up and may well over two legs 
um, score a goal or two, set up a goal or two. But if Emery can't get, if he's playing full 3-3 with um, Neymar and Mbappe um, wide and he's not capable of getting them to do their defensive shifts as well, then they could well be picked off. Um, Real Madrid aren't so far the same team that they have been the last couple of years. So it's a good time to play them. But I still still think that, yeah, I still think they'd they'd rather have got, certainly Emery, but I think most people at PSG, whatever they say, and yes, it's true that to win, you need to beat everyone who's in front of you and you need to beat all the big teams. You don't necessarily want to have to beat all the big teams in every single round. It would be Hmm. nice if if they beat each other for a bit. And it does feel a bit harsh when you look at, you know, PSG win the group and they get Real and then Bayern who come second get Besiktas. Um, you know, it's the vagaries of, of, of the system and the fact that there's a lot of very good teams in some groups and there are a couple of groups that were sort of relatively weak all the way through them. Mm. But uh, So they've been slightly unlucky in that sense. But, you know, it's the best possible chance to make the statement that they should have made against Bayern. Mm. I think one kind of... Uh, an amusing aside to the um, PSG Christmas party photos, which I'm sure we've all seen uh, this week on Twitter, where they went to Disneyland, uh, Euro Disney, and the photos are hilarious. And I think it was Augier um, or Caio de Foot did a breakdown of everybody in the photos. But Neymar wasn't there because he's gone back to Brazil for family reasons. Uh, apparently will be gone for three or four days. So he won't be in the Coupe de la Ligue squad uh, to face the mighty, mighty Strasbourg again tomorrow. Um, we had a couple of uh, Barcelona fans when this kind of were, were put out saying, oh yeah, this is his Christmas holiday. He does basically does this every year um and you are just wondering if that you know obviously turning out in the fourth the the least important competition you're in away at Strasbourg is not you know one of those big money games but you know whatever's happening here it's it that's again maybe uh, an indication of of um how seriously he's taking this, which you could argue is perfectly reasonable for him to be making that call uh, on the grounds of how good he is, et cetera, et cetera. But you are, you know, in a, in a team and you do have to play every, be available for every game if possible and, and do what you're told. And that's one of those things where, yes, maybe his attitude is, as Jess said, that, you know, you can rely on him against Real Madrid, but possibly not against Amiel, for example. Mm. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how I think the, you know, that turns out because we've got two more league games going into the winter break whenever we can have a bit of time off. Although I think PSG are doing a some kind of winter tour, possibly in Dubai. Tour, the loosest possible term. They're flying somewhere far away, I think. And that's, I'm sure it's Dubai, isn't it? Yeah, cause yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. I can't remember who they're supposed to be playing. Um, so, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, again, they are going to walk the league, given <laughs> given the, the uh, gap they've got at the moment. I mean, this is close to, you know, two years ago when they were ludicrously far away and ended up winning by 30 points or something like that. So, 
it has to be the Champions League. And as many people said when that draw came out, if he doesn't win this, Emery is, is gone, basically. Mm. They have to win this. Because having reached the quarterfinals for several years in, in a row, going out in the previous round, even though it was against Barcelona, but it was the nature of going out against Barcelona. He was kind of kind of lucky to hang on there, a lot of people thought. And so if that happens again, that would seem to be some form of nail in a coffin. Mm. I, I think I don't, I don't know about you guys. I think he's gone anyway. I just I just can't. It just feels like um, the PSG as a club now are just always going to strive. But for then, but then, who would they get? This is think, one of those things. You know, everybody always says when you know a, a kind of a mid-table Premiership club bins their manager, and the, everybody always says yes. But but you're going to end up with <clears> Alan Pardew. Who do you get? Who would PSG? That, by the way. Pardew at PSG would be actually. I, I having said that, I now cannot get that. Oh, it's a wonderful image um, in Dubai as well. The oh. idea of the idea of Neymar having to call Pardew <laughs> the king. No, yeah. Fuck, yeah. let's let's back away from this. I've done something horrible. I apologise. Um, no, but seriously, who would they get? Pardew and Allardyce and Tim Sherwood aside, who who would they replace <laughs> him with? Do you think? I, I, I just think Conte is is ready made for it. I really do. If you look at if you look at the the structure, um, he's worked with big players. He's worked at big clubs. Obviously, he's managed Italy. He's managed Juve. Uh, the Chelsea thing, I just I think is going to end in tears. I, I'd be mm-hmm. surprised if he sees out the season the way it's going. It looks like it's combusting from the inside. There again, like what they're always one defeat away from crisis, as the weekend proved. But then, um, wouldn't that make QSI think we're not touching in with a barge pole if he can't get that team? Mm up into um, but I think I think the contention I think the difference with that though is that at PSG there is unlimited funds and he will get the players he wants at mm-hmm. Chelsea there's been a there's been a sort of an Abramovich clash which there seems to be with pretty much every manager Abramovich uh, employs in that Conte has identified players and, and they've clearly not got them and I think with PSG I think a statement manager like like a Conte um, and don't forget Conte's sort of big thing that's missing from his CV as a European trophy or you know a big European um, uh, run shall we say which he's still in the Champions League with Chelsea you know he could go on and win it who knows but I just think that that club is set up for a manager of his kind of style um, Emre's never really been taken to the hearts of PSG fans and and, and I think I just think he's he's primed to return to Spain and um, I, I think a manager like Conte and, he, and he'd have the discipline over some of those those players as well uh, never, I, I still, I don't know about you, but I still don't feel like, you know, Neymar. Um, you know, I'm not Cavani's biggest fan in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, the way some people rate him. But he seems to be the one doing all the work and working really hard, getting his head down. While Mbappe and, and uh, Neymar seem to just be able to do whatever they want. I don't think that's a sign of, of strong manager managerial I, work. I think for me, that's that's the bottom line. I think. I just, yeah, I, I don't think certain players take him seriously enough. Um, Couldn't agree more, yeah. I think the only two viable options really are Conti and Simeone. Simeone's um, the other one, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, I think they're the ones that are going to tell players what's what and who's in charge. But um, Conti, I guess, is going to play better football. Or Carlo expect. coming home, maybe? That's, uh, <laughs> that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Can't see well, it. That, I mean, that was the problem at by all accounts at Bayern that he didn't he let the players do what they wanted do what they wanted yeah so, 
Yeah, we shall see. Uh, we shall see. But we've uh, we, we've chugged through PSG at a great le- length there. So let's uh, shift gears to our final game before we have a little chat about European draws. Um, Marseille beating Saint Etienne by three goals to nil. Um, we'll give Marseille a little bit of praise because they are worthy of it. And for all the the sort of clown car club they can be at times, they seem to be. Uh, whisper it quietly, putting together that big C word. No, not that one, boys and girls. The, the consistency word um, seem to be cobbling out some results. So um, a word for them, first of all, Jez, Marseille. St. Etienne's probably going to be the big story here, but Marseille seem to be on the right trail, don't they? Seem to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> one result. I, I've made lots of Marseille fan enemies the last couple of weeks particularly from sort of tweeting live tweeting the the Montpellier match where Montpellier were absolutely robbed a couple of times Uh um I don't care what anyone else says I still maintain that this Marseille team is awful not I think maybe finally being found out Marseille are not yet and I just I can't they're I unbeaten almost... in 12 games in Liga. That's the best run they've had since 2010. I and mean, with Rami at the back. What? Yes. <laughs> and Abdenor. <laughs> exactly. Bizarre. This is, they're somehow making it work. And while there's been all this talk about, you know, obviously PSG and Lyon are scoring for fun and Monaco, what the fuck is happening there? Cha cha cha. Marseille are fourth <laughs> on 35 points, equal with Lyon and Monaco. Mo, yeah, e- Mo, Mo would call that joint second, but yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, they are they are doing very well. It's a little bit edgy. It's a little bit slapstick. Sometimes you can't quite work out how things happened, um, but they are up there, and you know, unbeaten in twelve. That's yeah, look, I mean, that's all that's all you can ask for. But I just think genuinely that that's only all you can ask I, for, but you're going to ask for more. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only match that I've seen them that, that I've genuinely been impressed with them has been the, the draw against PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good, yeah. four goals away at Nice looks great on paper, but Nice handed them that match yeah. on a plate. Um, Five nil against Cart who also didn't really turn up on the day. I'm not giving them that much credit for that. You know, and th- this weekend, fine. They, they did what they needed to do against Saint-Etienne. Who are in an Bord- absolute tailspin, exactly. admittedly. Yeah. Bordeaux, who are in massive crisis, have won one match in their last 10. Guess what? 3-0 against Saint-Etienne. <laughs> so, it's it's um, that squad, isn't it? That's, that's um, the, that's the and that match against Montpellier, to me, more or less summed up what I've seen of Marseille this year. They were totally outplayed, deserved nothing mm. from that match and came away with, with a point. Yeah, less said the better about that. that yeah. Europa League as well. I, don't, I think they've been very unimpressive in the Europa League. Yeah, yeah. All, all, of the Fran- all of the French teams came second in groups where, and OM were the only ones where that could have been taken away from them on the final day. They weren't brilliant. No, and I mean also Lyon. You'd probably you'd have expect you looking at the draw. You'd have expected them to come second or third. I mean, Atalanta are a very good team, and Everton were meant to be at the start of the season. Um, and 
Nice, there's no shame whatsoever in coming second to Lazio. Marseille, that that group that they had, they should have, I think they should have come first. Yeah. Or at least should have been comfortable going into the final game, yeah, which they exactly, weren't. Yeah. So. Mm. Well, I mean, that, that's Marseille. I mean, we, we honestly, we could debate them every week, couldn't we? We'd probably get different answers each time. But Sanatian, um, yeah. <laughs> where do we start here, Phil? I mean, Sabali, uh, described in the um, in, in the English press by uh, French-speaking public um, as the, the French John Gregory. Let's uh, not attack anyone once. Um, it's one up from Tim Sherwood, really. But... Um, they appear to be careering headlong off of a cliff. This is a, yeah. one of the great names of French football, one of the most iconic sort of shirts, colours, supporters, stadiums, everything. And yet, as I say, much like we touched on with Bordeaux, they are flying headlong into, well, God knows what. Yeah. What needs to change? Is it as simple as, as getting somebody out and an actual coach in? Or well, is I it think... More I think there will be a help. And one of the questions we got this week from Anthony Patrick on, on Twitter was, what's going wrong at Saint-Étienne? Is Sable actually capable of termin- turning their form around? Starting to worry a little bit. I think you should have started to worry a while back because it's, you know, this is, this is not good. Um, at the beginning of the season, it was like, you know, Garcia's come in, they're starting to play forward-thinking football. It's not so defensive. It's it's more free-thinking and free-spirited. And, and Jesus, they're 15th. Um, and uh, we've heard weird rumours about, like, Brian Darbo being left out of the squad because his character is annoying people or something. And they've got Sable in charge, who is a, a great player, but he's not... a as far as we can tell, a manager and they need to get somebody in to organise these very good players into something approaching a team. Because what happened um, at Marseille as well was was kind of interesting because um, there was a red card with uh, Pierre-Gabriel getting sent off shortly after the second half started from left back. Now, the problem was Florentin Pogba, who'd been playing at centre-back, had been taken off um, when the second half started for uh, Leo Lacroix, presumably for an injury because you wouldn't replace a, you know, you wouldn't uh, replace a centre-back when you're only one mil down at half-time if he hadn't got a knock. The problem is Florentin Pogba is, is cover for left-back. So they were kind of left in this weird, disorganised state over and above the disorganised state they, they had to start with. And, you know, they then got hit by two goals, um, two goals in 71, 80 minutes, from a uh, second from Germain and one from Ocampos. But they never looked in, in the game. And they just don't seem to be clicking. When you look at the the players they've got, what was interesting was they brought on this young guy, Wagner Diaz-Gonçalves, uh, for about the last 20 minutes. Um, he, I think, debuted against uh, Bordeaux um, in that defeat and got 20 minutes there. He's 21. He seems to be about five foot four but as soon as he came on he he wanted something he was moving forward he was dribbling he was kind of get into the box and then he was falling over because he had four defenders around him and nobody helping him I think Lewis Dione was trying to get forward but there seemed to be this massive gap between the midfield and those two that they were just out there on their own they'd been kind of left hang out to dry 
there has to be some more organisation to link through from what should be, given the players they've got a solid defence, a decent midfield and some, you know, some decent attackers. Maybe not out and out strikers, but the kind of midfielders who should be able to take the ball forward and make uh, make chances for um, Hamuma. Um, getting forward to Dioni obviously is up there as well. So it's it does seem very strange that they are struggling so much, but they are without a win in five. I don't know when they last won because I can only see the last five games here on the on the ticket. Probably, probably Mets. Yeah. Usually yes. is. G- g- yeah. Goes without saying, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not good. They need a manager. I we are. The thing is, you say, well, the winter break is coming up. Yes, but there's two games to go before the winter break. It, um, it was it was Mets, by the way, 14th of October. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> they're, they're playing Monaco at the weekend, which could be a great chance for Monaco to get their mojo back together. You know, if they lose another two games going into the winter break, then another couple of teams could hop over them and they are then dangerously near the relegation zone. So it's, it is worrying. And they do need to do, do something about it. Well, you, you heard it here first. Uh, I'm tipping Zanetin to beat Monaco on Friday night. So you heard that here first, right? I'm not telling you why I think it. I just think it will happen. Um, I just have this weird kind of... Have we checked the odds on this? Because... Um, we, we can. We can. I, I would imagine they're fairly decent, uh, given the four. Yeah. Yeah, um, I will. I will maybe stick a fiver on it just to back myself, but I have a feeling, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> do you want just before we have our uh, our grand debat, which we will shortly? Um, do you want two pieces of breaking news? One a little bit of uh, a little bit kind of lighthearted, and one which could have a massive impact on Lille. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but news has just come out as we've been on the air that according to uh, sources, the uh, DNCG has banned Lille from buying any players in the January transfer window. Um, that is just just been released according to right. French football. So uh, that could be quite an issue um, given their squad as a whole probably needs a bit of a shake up. So that's just broke. Um, and also in a slightly lighthearted, um, lighthearted way, uh, PSG have uh, announced the colours of their away shirt next year to be cream and gold. <laughs> Interesting. Um, did either of you want to touch on the Lille news at all before we move on? Um, I hadn't seen that. I, my breaking news is that it is 2-0 to Toulouse against Bordeaux in the Coupe de la Ligue, which now seems way less interesting than Another what you defeat. just said. Yeah. Mm. Final score. Maybe we will save that for next week then, because I'm sure more will come out about that news. But um, yes, uh, that I is... I would just say that I think that with the players that Bielsa brought in, a lot of whom I don't rate, but <laughs> there's a lot of them, and with the um, the first team players that have been ditched, um, that presumably can be brought back, I certainly think there's there's well enough there to at least keep them up, and then they can worry about it in the summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still be. yeah, but I still think it's it's a bit of a mess there. But mm. I don't think there's anything too terminal. No, never straight as, as for Saint-Etienne, um, just quickly going back to that, I just, I, I 
I'm never convinced when people talk about how um, players on the pitch are affected by stuff that's going on off the pitch. Uh, sort of doubts about the managers, fair enough. But when they're talking about, you know, shareholders and and that kind of thing, I just don't buy it. I don't believe that that's the kind of thing that when players are going out onto the field, it's something that, that affects their performance. But at Saint-Étienne at the moment, there seems to be so much going on, going on in the background. So many sort of power plays, too many chiefs. There's like, it always seems to be sort of uh, Romaya and Kayats or and Rochetor. Who's in charge? Who's in charge of what? Apparently they've all got their little cliques um, within the not not just the boardroom, but um, some of them sort of touching on playing staff, some of them not recruiters. Um, are the recruiters really skilled in recruiting, or are they just there because they're the the yes man of one of these people? And I think that's clearly one of the things that Garcia had had enough of, um, and probably is the reason why Sable is there as not a particularly satisfactory replacement, at least for the moment. And I think in this case, it definitely is affecting the players. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I think that's a club that's going to see uh, quite a lot of change uh, coming in the next um, four to six months, at least, you would think, ahead of uh, next summer. But um, where they'll be by then, who knows? So remember, kids, money on them to beat Monaco at the weekend. Uh, but don't say I sent you. Um, right, we can uh, finish up this week's show then with the Grand Debat. And uh, we're going to just quickly uh, have a little natter about the uh, draws. Um, in terms of the Champions League and Europa League and what they mean for French football. So, um, Phil, would you prefer Europa League or Champions League? I'll give you one each. Well, we've kind of covered the Champions League. Also, Jez has got an article which we will be publishing tomorrow, uh, mm. i.e. today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, um, about this. I mean, I've been following the Europa League to a certain extent, um, and I don't know what to make of, of that draw at all, really. So yeah. and let's let our um, let's uh, give our listeners if they haven't heard. I mean, as you rightly say, we have kind of touched on PSG with Monaco bailing out. Of course, they are the sole uh, French quote unquote representative in the in the Champions League. So we will kind of skip over that because we have touched on it. But in terms of French interest in the Europa League, last thirty two, Nice uh, faced Lokomotiv Moscow. Um, first legs of the, by the way, are, I think it's February. I'm sure it's February. Yeah, I should it's around this. Valentine's Day, which ah. should, you know, make life easy for those of you who do that kind of thing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Locomotive are actually first in the Superliga um, after 20 games. I think that's mm. a 30-game league. So I, they, they won their group. All of the French teams because they came second of up against group winners. So Lokomotiv Moscow were arguably one of the harder groups. They took 11 points out off of Copenhagen, Sheriff and Slin. I mean, Copenhagen are a decent team. So, you know, it, it's difficult to know how that's going to go. But obviously, Nice, are, nice have pulled themselves together a bit after a fairly bizarre start. They're now up to eighth and motoring quite nicely three league wins on the spin so hopefully they've got themselves sorted out and father's got them um 
back in back in some form of order to attack things <coughs> after the after the winter break because it was looking a little bit dicey earlier in the season but they do seem to have pulled it pulled it out of the fire one thing you did notice from the last um league games was um no goals scored by the three French teams. Now, mm. Nice can possibly be forgiven for that on the grounds that it was a completely dead rubber. Lazio were uncatchable and Nice were uncatchable in second, so whatever. But um, uh, obviously, Lyon um, and Marseille not scoring either was slightly a, a bigger deal. But I think Nice... Now they've got themselves back on an even keel, are going to have to do a, a lot of kind of balancing work. So, you know, the game's going up to to the winter break and then coming back with the Coupe de France and a couple of league games before this Europa game, we're going to see if they are stable, um, which will be the the most um the most important thing for them trying to go forward and, and maybe get back up back up towards the European places again. Mm. Yeah, I think th- it's an intriguing tie, that one, isn't it? Absolutely intriguing tie. And um, are, as are the other two, actually. Um, Jez, let's get your thoughts on the other two. Uh, Olympic Lyonnais face Villarreal. That's got Europa League Classic written all over it. Just just has a classic feel to that <laughs> one. Um, and also Olympic Marseille hosts Sporting Braga. Who Did they not come through them in the qualifiers? Or am I imagining that? Uh, or did they not play them in the qualifiers? Was it last season? No. Who do they play? I'm going to have to oh, look this up. Gimaresh. Gimaresh. They were so close to getting Arsenal. Um, yes. I think that was the kind of the last two in the hat and OM got Braga instead of Arsenal. I was quite pleased about that, I would imagine. Yeah, well, I was getting ready to plan a trip to Marseille, frankly, mm. if, um, if, if that had come out the hat. But... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll take Ostersons. We're fine with that. Uh, <laughs> um, what do you make? What do you make of those two then, Jez? It should be pointed out as well. All the French sides are at home in the first leg, so it's important they get off to to good starts. Um, in terms of what I know of the foreign teams, Braga are a, 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 certainly a beatable side, but quite stubborn defensively and, and will rely on counter-attacking. So I think a win at home at the Velodrome is important for Marseille. And Leon Villarreal, I mean, you just can't call that, can you? Villarreal been in scintillating form in Liga, uh, in uh, La Liga, sorry, and, and in Liga. Leon, um, well, overall, have been, been exceptional. So that one's just got a classic written on it. I think... Um... I feel the same for all four ties, like the three Europa ties and the Champions League tie. I really think it it could go either way. And certainly in terms of the three um the three Europa ties, I think I would I think it's certainly for Marseille and Nice, I think it's reasonable to say that they start as favourites. Um Locomotive are eight points clear in Russia, but they start their winter break today. And it ends after the two Nice matches, so um, possibly they won't be sort of absolutely match match fit, match ready. Um, I, I think it's you know I'm sure they'll they'll be fit and raring to go, but it's probably a good time to play them. Um, and I think Nice and Marseille should have enough to to beat their opposition. Braga are good, but they're quite I think they're quite a young team and and. With Marseille's experience, they should, depending. Um, <laughs> with, Rushes uh, of blood to the head aside, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, without giving away any spoilers, my article, I think Braga are all about very young, quick, skillful attackers. 
um, against any two of Abdenor, Rami, and Rolando. So that could be fun. Um, I think that that Leon Villarreal is arguably the the sort of the tightest, and I feel a little sorry for Leon that they didn't get a slightly easier draw, um, especially because it, it, I think it will mean a lot to them if they can get to the final because the final's being played in their stadium. Um, so, but yeah, I think you know that Villarreal is sixth in La Liga, which looks fantastic, but. Um, it's another one of these skewed leagues where they're actually closer to, to I think, 17th than they are to mm-hmm. one place above them. Um, but they're clearly still a very good team. Um, they've got two excellent strikers in, in uh, Baka and um, Bakambu, um, who, you know, to, to face them, we need the we need the Lyon that had five straight clean sheets or whatever it was, rather than the Lyon that um, let, Gakpay scored the goal that he scored for Amiens this weekend. Um, but I do think Lyon can beat that, beat, beat Villarreal. I think I would say that Lyon start as favourites. Um, but um, it's just with those three teams, with with this this season's Lyon, this season's Marseille and this season's Nice, it, it, it sounds like a cop-out, but it really is a case of which of their teams turn up. Um, because all three can be very good on their day, and all three have also proved themselves to be awful on their day. So um, I just, I just hope that first of all that they take it seriously, which I think they all seem to be doing um, this, this season, and secondly that that you know they really give it a good go because I, I do think there's a, a very good chance if they want to that we could have three French clubs in the next round. Yeah which would uh, help with uh, mine and Phil's uh, transport plans or travel plans. Sorry, if they do, because uh, it's more likely to draw on Arsenal <laughs> if, of course, we get through Swedish opposition. Good, good. OK, uh, well, that gives you a little bit of a, a sort of a lead into what's been going on uh, in Ligue 1 this week and indeed in the draws as well. So uh, hopefully that has furnished your ears suitably for another week um any other business we need to clarify any other uh, uh league cup ties that we should mention phil we mentioned the Strasbourg psg game and the toulouse game tonight any others that come out of the uh, the cupboard as it were well it's um obviously it's, it's it's the league cup so nobody's that bothered which is annoying but um we've got only one uh, Ligue 2 side left in this, which is Tor. Um, Tor will be away at Amiens tomorrow. Tor are currently bottom of Ligue 2 with only five points, so I'm sure uh, Jess <coughs> is rooting for them. Um, it's kind of weird that they've managed to... They've they've won two Coupe de France games as well. Um, they've only got, I think, 10 goals in the league or something ridiculous, and they've way outshot that in the cup games so I think Tor know they're going down and are just going to give it their all in the cup competitions so that might actually be an interesting one tomorrow we've got uh, tomorrow night the late games there is a multiplex happening on Canal Plus which you may be able to find in various places where Montpellier playing Lyon second round of Strasbourg PSG Lille are playing Nice and Amiens Tour. Uh, as well so uh, we'll be keeping an eye on all of those hope to have a, a roundup up on the site for you on friday on all the cup happenings uh, before um before the weekend 
Splendid, splendid. Okay, well, uh, stick around for that uh, in the upcoming shows. Um, we will be here next week, as best of our knowledge. Just bear in mind um, that we are probably going to have a little hiatus over the Christmas period at some point. We haven't sat down as a team and worked out exactly what dates we will be doing or won't be doing at the moment. But uh, less uh, needs to say, as France goes into hibernation, so will we. So um, uh, apologies in advance, but we will have a little break at some point. Stay tuned and we'll let you know when uh right we will draw a close to the show for this week on that note then uh, well with just just a note for the weekend games which finish with what could be uh, a very tasty confrontation between ol and om the olympico is happening on sunday night so uh with both teams level on points that should be a, a really fun game to watch if you can find that on bt sport or whatever you have available uh mm. that would be it will be a good one to watch and maybe watch it in mute hey jess um because <laughs> we're not a big fan of the bt commentary when it comes to league R. Uh, yes, Jonathan Pierce. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I was say, it uh, depends which commentator. There are yeah. a couple of very good ones. There are, yes, indeed, <laughs> yeah, indeed. But uh, Jonathan Pearson is Mitrolius. Oh God's sake! Anyway, uh, right. We yeah, so, sorry. Just okay. I know it's completely off subject, but I watched a bit of. I think it was mentioned Gladback against Chalker, and he you spent a few hipster. minutes. <laughs> and he spent a few minutes riffing on how uh, Gladbach's manager looked like his old history teacher I which was really I relevant yeah completely <laughs> relevant like when, you, when you're desperately needing to fill but you don't know how to fill you so, yeah. to, to be yeah. fair my, my old history teacher looked like, looks like Elise Basalia so I mean that's, I mean, that's cooler but you're not paid to uh, commentate on league games for BT Sport so you're yeah, but also Elise Basalia is cooler there is that as well. That's my point. <laughs> what a way to end a podcast. Um, you can follow us uh, at French FT Weekly on the Twitter. Uh, you can always communicate with us uh, individually or as a podcast. Uh, we, of course, wish uh, wish our good pal Rich all the best of health. Um, I'm sure he'll be back um, soon. And so will we. So uh, enjoy your French football this weekend. Tweet us your thoughts and questions if you have any for us. And we will speak to you this time next week. <laughs>